It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. Well, did you see the stage production? The lights, the cameras, the video production, the January 6th committee hearing that the GOP couldn't select any representatives to started in the past few days. I missed some of it because I was out of the country. Poor me. So before I get to Julie Kelly's review of the proceedings, here's what you missed. tonight as we come to the very heart of Hollywood we sense a strange overwhelming excitement that they say adds up to a multi-step conspiracy with former President Donald Trump at the center which is what they will say caused January 6th also Judy interesting to note in that cavernous room you see it's just behind me here at the Cannon House office building this will be a multimedia presentation with video with documentary uh, kind of feel to it this will be the most highly produced congressional hearing in history a fever that grips thousands and is caused by one person and one person alone who is this one person that all hollywood looks to what is the name of this most influential and sought after personality in the cinema capital let's go quickly to the chair benny thompson objection the chair is authorized to declare the committee in recess at any point Shh. be very very quiet I'm hunting weapons. <laughs> Be very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. Oh, that wasn't a bit nice. <laughs> you have made me very angry. <laughs> And that seemed to be much of the hearings on January 6th. Now, we were all horrified by the unrest. I remember being on this podcast that day, just absolutely beside myself, beside myself with what I'd seen. It's just not something that the right does. And that's one of the reasons why we were so mm, suspicious of what really happened. Who was there? Who were some of the FBI informants creating problems, intentionally so? Who was working to begin another kind of thing that happened with a Michigan uh, 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 kidnapping plot against Gretchen Whitmer? That thing just imploded because there were more FBI agents involved than there were actual people who were willing to carry out any kind of uh, kidnapping plot. The FBI was making it up. It was uh, extraordinary. The same people were in charge of January 6th and the investigation thereof and the informants therein. Anyway, 
This is why this hearing is such a travesty. It is a you know, teleprompter. Uh, first time we've seen that happen in the halls of Congress during a hearing. And uh, they've got a Hollywood producer out there helping to create all of the images. And they're not even giving you all the images. And the people who are seated for this commission have not even been seated by the, the GOP, which is part and parcel of how they do things in the House. Nancy Pelosi just named the people she wanted on it. And there are maybe less than half, I think, who were supposed to be on it that are on it. Uh, this is a sham committee. And it's a, and that, speaking of which, is a, a real sham. That is a, it's a real shame, too. It's sad. It's saddening. If you want to get to the bottom of that, let's be honest about what really happened that day. But they can't. Because this is a very political thing for them, a weapon to be used in the midterm elections and going thereon. So this is why the hearing is such a travesty. For that, for all of it, her reaction to how this hearing has evolved, as well as what she knows about the January 6th cases. Julie Kelly, she's the author of the book, January 6th, How Democrats Used the Capitol Protest to Launch a War Against the Political Right. She also writes for American Greatness. Julie Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the Adult in the Room podcast. I want to know your first impressions of the January 6th floor show done by the Democrats and Liz Cheney. Um. And Kran Kinzinger. Yes. And let's not forget Adam Kinzinger. Um, at least he didn't cry this time like he did during the hearing last July. Um, but look, I think most Americans recognize this for what it is, which is political theater. Um, they're not sure why Democrats uh, in Washington are focused on something so irrelevant pertaining to the lives of Americans and what the crises, numerous crises that have been con, con, uh, created by House Democrats and the Biden regime. Um, but at any event, this is just another continuation Adam Schiff and what he started almost six years ago, an investigation into Donald Trump in an attempt to destroy him, the people around him. And quite frankly, Victoria, what this is all about is trying to destroy the entire MAGA movement Um and have them viewed as insurrectionists, as domestic terrorists and traitors. And so this is what this is, was all about. It was not about trying to investigate into really what happened that day or happening again. This is just another public uh, persecution of Donald Trump and his supporters. And it's as if they're fighting a, like a wildfire or something like that, and then coming in and stomping out the hot ashes. And that's the MAGA movement. It's just unbelievable. It really is. And, you know, what's even more concerning and I think terrifying is how this committee is working hand in hand with Joe Biden's Justice Department to criminalize political dissent. So you have Merrick Garland the other day saying that not only is he watching January 6th uh, proceedings, but so are his prosecutors. 
These are prosecutors who are handling now more than 830 criminal cases related to what happened almost 18 months ago, destroying the lives of innocent Americans, keeping many of them held behind bars, denying them bail for over a year on concocted charges. Um, And so you see this once again collaboration, as I've written about this week, the U.S. Department of Justice, uh, Congress and the media to go after Trump and his supporters. But this is new territory, Victoria, because you have innocent Americans who have been ensnared in this abusive prosecution. Uh, and uh, we have new arrests every week. Two people were arrested yesterday in Florida. Um, and so they're not going to stop. And what their end game is, I believe, is bringing criminal charges against Donald Trump probably before the election. We heard that there might not be any referrals to the Justice Department. You don't think that's true? Well, the January 6th committee does not have to produce any sort of criminal referral to DOJ for DOJ to charge Donald Trump. So the two are unrelated. So they can certainly bring criminal referrals to DOJ like they have for Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro, who were then charged and indicted by the DOJ. But that's not necessary. The DOJ on its own, D.C. U.S. Attorney Matthew Graves, who's handling this prosecution, he can create a case, build a case against Donald Trump, which I believe that he's doing, and he can bring a grand jury indictment against the president. And that is what I believe he's doing, especially related to the prosecution of the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, the two alleged militia groups that oddly didn't bring weapons to the Capitol on January 6th. Not a very good militia group, Um, (laughs) very good militia groups. But I think that this is all tying into justifying publicly and politically when the DOJ finally does charge Donald Trump. Because look, Victoria, you know that this is what the left wants. They have a bloodlust for Donald Trump. They thought he'd be dragged out of the White House for two years by Robert Mueller. That didn't happen. They thought he'd be impeached and then criminally charged for, you know, various things that he did in the White House. That hasn't happened. This is the last chance to satisfy this bloodlust in the Democratic Party and their voters to see Donald Trump in handcuffs. And this is going to be their last chance. And there's no reason why the DOJ would not do this. Right, because they're corrupt. Yep, absolutely right. Um, on what charges would they get him? There's nothing he did. I mean, sure, he was ridiculous that day afterwards and failing to go out and get in front of it and say, look, stop. And um, you do that wonderful timeline in your book, January 6th, how Democrats used the Capitol protest to launch a war on terror against the political right. And look at you. That title is absolutely apt. But there's nothing that he did that was criminal. Well, again, it doesn't matter if what he did was criminal or not, because I have seen how how this D.C. U.S. attorney works, working hand in hand with a grand jury made up of the same jurors, type of jurors that we saw in the Michael Sussman trial, right? So you have five jury trials related to January 6th defendants. You have juries in a city that voted almost 94% for Joe Biden. They have nothing but open contempt for Donald Trump and his supporters. Five jury trials, unanimous guilty verdicts on every single count in record time. If the Michael Sussman trial, you know, a swamp rat tied to all the right people, jury comes back, he's 
acquitted, found not guilty. Those are the jurors who are also sitting on grand juries, who are handing down ridiculous indictments like seditious conspiracy for Americans who did nothing close to seditious conspiracy. No American's ever been convicted of seditious conspiracy. It's such a rare charge. The last time DOJ tried to uh, convict anyone of it, a judge in Michigan threw it out of court 10 years ago. Yet this D.C. U.S. attorney has convinced a D.C. grand jury to charge five Proud Boys and 13 Oath Keepers with seditious conspiracy. You think that the same D.C. grand jury isn't going to salivate at the chance to sign off on a grand jury indictment for conspiracy or obstruction of an official proceeding? I've watched this too closely. Uh, This system is so rigged and so unaccountable, um, especially by these judges on the D.C. District Court. There's no reason uh, that this won't happen. The Crossfire hurricane investigation, such as it was the put-up job, the framing of Donald Trump, and the, at least the temp thereof, was something that even Andy McCarthy said they should not, at main justice, be doing these investigations. They need to seed it out to another office somewhere across the country or something, because in D.C., they sh- because there's no one being held accountable at main justice. Peter Strzok, for example. Right. Peter Strzok, James Comey, um, Andrew McCabe, Andrew McCabe, who lied under oath three times to his own investigators, committed perjury. And yet DOJ refused to bring any charges against him. So, um, you know, it would be nice if what McCarthy said would actually happen. But what's happening in these criminal cases is you have defense attorneys producing, presenting solid evidence to judges as to why their clients will not be able to get a fair trial in Washington, D.C. Right. And D.C. judges every single time have uh, denied motions to uh, for change of venue, um, insisting that these people can get a fair trial in the city. As I said, not just that voted for Joe Biden, that all work for the government. They're all tied somehow to the federal bureaucracy. And uh, it's just impossible, but the judges absolutely will not let these people try to get a fair trial anywhere else. Like, say, in the state of Michigan, where you had a jury uh, quit two men who were charged in the FBI-concocted Whitmer kidnapping hoax uh, after their defense attorneys talked to normal Americans, uh, not, you know, people in Washington, D.C., and, um, you know, completely, wholly rejected the Justice Department's idea that uh, these men conspired to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer and instead found that the FBI had entrapped them. So if we could move these trials to the Western District of Michigan, guarantee you we would have a lot more different outcomes. That's sad. That's not justice. Mm -mm. It's not justice. That's why these people have no no shot. Um, and it, and then to have the January 6th committee add on to it, produce these nonstop headlines in Washington, D.C., the city that's also will be responsible for um, populating these juries. They're working hand in hand to further poison the jury pool in D.C. Uh, and attack and dem- prove these people guilty before they can be proven innocent, which won't even be able to happen. I cannot believe all of the things cascading together to produce a just um, 
I can't afford gas. I can't afford food. I can't. Uh, we've got a war in Ukraine that everybody's going, w- what's going on there? I mean, all of it is question. Um, is We don't understand why they're doing this. You know, frankly, I mean, I have my suspicions. And I think it all has to do with uh, their buddy, the Ukrainian president. And uh, I know this is going to sound kind of woo-woo, but I really think it all has to do with uh, the ability to get people to be under the socialist thumb and climate change and all that stuff and just begin to implement um, the, begin to implement uh, ESG and all of those things, uh, the Chinese social credit score, you know. And I think this is just a thing to uh, dispirit Americans to let them know that, hey, you have no chance. Right. It's all, uh, you know, having the very heavy boot of the government uh, on the collective throat of the American people, particularly those on the right. So when I wrote my book and it was released on January 1 and it does give sort of a primer of how we got to this point, um, I think even I did not envision What would be happening this year is that DOJ and you have Merrick Garland actually bragging that his prosecutors are watching what's happening with the January 6th committee. Victoria, they want the thousand witness transcripts that this illegitimate committee has produced. DOJ wants to use that. They want that. Well, how that's not the process. DOJ is supposed to be conducting a criminal investigation. You don't go to your buddies in Congress and say, hey, you had these people interviewed under false pretenses that they were going to tell you what they knew about January 6th and election fraud. You know, they didn't have to be subpoenaed. You didn't have to go through the normal process like you would in a criminal investigation. By the way, now turn over all of those transcripts, those interviews, over all of their documents to DOJ. That's not how this works, Right. But that's exactly what is going to happen. So you have his prosecutors now working with House Democrats, people like Adam Schiff and low life traders like Liz Cheney and losers like Adam Kinzinger um, to give the DOJ evidence that they they skipped over all the processes that they have to go through to get that. Um, This has never happened before. And so to your point, they opened it and then did it backwards. I mean, let's let's throw the book at him and, and jail them. We don't have anything to pin on them, but let's uh, let's throw them in jail, and then go back and then we'll find the evidence. That's exactly right. Yep, and this is what's happened in these prosecutions: people who were charged with no evidence, and they still to this day, Victoria DOJ still has not turned over all of its uh, discovery. Uh, it is being accused in some. Uh, Uh, cases of withholding Brady material, which, of course, we know they did, say, in other cases under Russia collusion, Michael Flynn's case, for example. Um, Same old tricks, same old tricks, same old players, Adam Schiff, Department of Justice, FBI, Nancy Pelosi, same players, um, but a far more dangerous uh, operation than what we saw under Russia collusion. It's it's Kafka-esque. It's ridiculous. 14,000 hours of video still unwatched, unreleased. What do you expect to see there? I would like to see what was happening inside and outside the building uh, starting at noon that day. Where were Capitol Police stationed? Who opened, for example, the 20,000-pound Columbus doors on the east side of the Capitol and let people in? No one smashed that door open. It's impossible to open. How did it get open? On the inside, where were all the Capitol Police stationed? Let's see all the video 
every single second, Victoria, of D.C. Metro and Capitol Police starting to attack the crowd shortly after one o'clock that day. People who were just arriving uh, shortly thereafter from Trump's speech, attacking them with explosive devices like flashbangs and sting balls filled with rubber bullets, pepper balls, dousing them with tear gas. People who are just standing on Capitol grounds, just protesting waving flags, not trying to get inside the building. Let the American people see that. Let's see what was set up. Remember the noose? Remember that whole noose set up? We still don't know who constructed that. You're telling Where me that... Where was that? Oh, was it... Uh, no, tell me about that, because I don't think I remember. So it was like a... What do they call it? Like a, ga- a gallow with a noose oh. hanging that they said that they wanted Mike Pence in? Well, yeah, who, who erected that. that on Capitol grounds? We still don't know. No one's been charged with it. Um, somebody allegedly has the noose as evidence. How did it get there? And how did how did a camera just happen to have this noose with the Capitol Dome inside the noose? It was set up just perfectly to create that optic. Yet we don't know who set it up. Let's see the surveillance video on the grounds to see how it got there. Who Who's responsible for it? Those are just a few of the questions that will be answered if we have access to thousands of hours of surveillance video that this committee is not releasing, that DOJ has under protective orders. Um, Why? Why can't we see it all? If this is comparable to 9-11, let's see every single piece of video that will show exactly what happened throughout that day. Can you believe that they're comparing this to 9-11, calling it worse? It's so insulting. It is so insulting to the victims of legitimate terrorist attacks and certainly their surviving family members. I do... There was a letter released, I think, after Kamala Harris ridiculously made that comparison. Family members outraged that they would compare the Capitol protest to what happened on 9-11. These people are so shameless. They don't care. They don't care about the victims' families. They only want to use what happened that day that was mostly an inside job. Use that to exploit it for political purposes. You've thought a lot about this. You wrote about it, how Democrat, January 6th, how Democrats used the Capitol protest to launch a war on terror against the political right. Why do they hate Donald Trump so much? What, what, what is it? Well, I think because, um, you know, he's just such an agitator because he was not going to go along with the establishment Republican Party and certainly the Democrats. Look, the reason why Liz Cheney has this vengeance campaign against Donald Trump is because he stood on a debate stage in February of 2016 and confronted Jeb Bush about the war on terror. He said that invading Iraq was one of the biggest mistakes of any presidency. He specifically also called out Dick Cheney for his involvement in the war on terror that, you know, had led to so much destruction, $2 trillion at least over 20 years with very little to show for it. So this is the Cheney-Bush family dynasty aristocracy's way of trying to destroy Trump. Um, you know, he just rejected all things that we were told to believe, right? Whether it was free trade was free and was great for the American people, uh, whether it was these endless wars were actually going to turn these Stone Age-ish countries into thriving democracies. I mean, look, he opened my eyes to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they hate him. Now, he opened a lot of eyes. He didn't do a lot of things in the end to change it. Um, but he certainly was just, you know, he was 
he was going to upend the Washington establishment, which he did. Now they're afraid he's going to run again in 2024. So if he's criminally charged, will it make it that much harder for him to run? Certainly, but they're just, they're going to keep stabbing away until they finally finish him off. Um, And so we'll see who prevails at the end. He has upset the world order. That's what he did. Boy, that's a big thing. Well, and I think he exposed the corruption um, of these institutions like DOJ and FBI um, and the national security complex, you know, just every government institution in Washington, D.C., how corrupt and venal they are, but how they're all in cahoots with each other. These are things most Americans wouldn't have believed six years ago. And now you've got half the country that accept this as truth. And that's why I invite people to reconsider what they might have thought about January 6th at the very beginning and really start to understand that these very same forces worked behind the scenes weeks, if not months in advance, to produce the optics and things that we saw that happened that afternoon. Because you know that because of the Gretchen Whitmer put up job. Yep, that's exactly right. Same players. Stephen D'Antuono, who was head of the FBI field office in Detroit that oversaw this FBI-concocted hoax, then moved to the D.C. uh, field office uh, middle of October 2020, just before January 6th happened. Um, So many other comparisons and coincidences between the two. People can read my reporting on the Whitmer kidnapping hoax. Um, But look, when our government is capable of doing in that situation what they did, When they're capable of producing um, the Russian collusion hoax that disabled the first half of Trump's presidency, destroyed lives in the process, um, you have to understand that those very same forces are very capable of doing what they did to create January 6th and weaponize it the way that they have for now a year and a half. That was not a coincidence, people. You really think Democrats... Super lucky that Donald Trump allegedly incited a bunch of people to go ransack the Capitol and attack police officers. You think they just got lucky and 18 months later, we're still talking about it? That's not how that Mm -hmm. place works. Mm, Yeah, no, this is all a plan to go up to the midterms. Uh, At this point, this is what they're doing. Um, Well, how successful do you think that will be? The uh, committee in terms of um, somehow yeah. changing, changing the uh, getting Americans uh, decoyed out. They're being deked out by this when they can't afford to put food on the table. Yeah, I mean, I think that this really enrages uh, Americans who might have might even consider January 6th an insurrection and maybe think all these people should be locked up forever. But at the same time, they go, well, wait a second, that's happening over here, but I can't fill up my tank. I can't take my kids on a summer vacation because I can't afford to the, the travel expenses. You know, people who can't find workers, businesses who are really struggling in that capacity. We have an open border. Um, you know, we just have complete incompetency in the White House and a, a a man who in no way is capable uh, of leading this country. And so that's what Americans are terrified about. You know, maybe they think January 6th was a horrible day. Fine. Um, but that doesn't impact their their da- daily lives as all of these numerous crises out of the Democrats and Biden regime uh, are doing to, to American families. I'd sure like to know uh, who instigated this, wouldn't you? I mean, in your book, uh, January 6th book, 
you talk about the three, the three percenters, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys. Um, Enrique Tario wasn't even in town because he was told not to come into town. Um, now, he was an FBI informant. And then there was another guy with, I think it was the Oath Keepers, also an FBI informant. What the hell is going on? Well, Enrique Tario, who is the lead Proud Boy, he finally was just charged in March of 2022. Um, he was an FBI informant in 2014, I believe. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these groups are filled with federal agents. And we know that because the Whitmer hoax. Um, we know because the New York Times reporting in September of 2021 that at least two informants infiltrated the Proud Boys months before and were on the ground with the Proud Boys when they breached the first um, exterior perimeter like bike rack line that was there. Um, there were far more than two. I can guarantee you that. Same with the Oath Keepers. In one of the Oath Keepers filings, the defense attorney said that they identified at least 20 undercover FBI and ATF agents near that group that day. We know from um, reporting by Newsweek that hundreds of FBI agents were stationed at Quantico the weekend before January 6th and deployed to the city early that day. In what capacity were they undercover? Did they have informants with them? Um, that's not exactly what we were told, Victoria, right? We were told that the city was just completely left vulnerable. No police officers were around. No FBI agents were around. Nothing was happening. That's not the case. Um but this is exactly what this uh, uh, what this committee and DOJ are attempting to, to conceal from the American people. Is that why they didn't deploy t- troops or National Guardsmen as Trump wanted? That's exactly right, because wow. um, everyone had Holy their marching crap. orders what to do that day, whether it was all the FBI federal agents and informants who were involved whether it was D.C. Metro Police and Capitol Police instructed to attack the crowd of protesters creating these confrontations that day, Um, whether it was Capitol Police officers who opened doors and let people in to a trap that they were later arrested for. Um, So, again, if we see the video, if we can see all the records, if we can find out from the FBI, which refuses to answer questions about agents and informants related to January 6th, Uh, people will get a much fuller picture of what happened that day and, as I said, months before. Same people who ran the Gretchen Witch, I call her Witchmer, (laughs) scam, also were in charge of this. Pretty much same. Yes, exactly. And so now we get the dog and pony show in Washington, D.C., which is where we started. And as we end, Julie Kelly, um, well, have you seen anything particularly compelling that you didn't know before? Um, no, not from these committee hearings. I have not. Um, I mean, who needs to hear from Chris Steyerwalt, like who was fired from Fox News after he called Arizona that night before, you know, basically right after the polls closed. Um, so, you know, look at the witness list. I'm surprised that there aren't more substantive witnesses. If they really wanted to tell people the truth or this fact-finding mission, as they say, we would be hearing from Muriel Bowser. We would be hearing from Capitol Police officials, not, you know, an officer who was knocked down that day and the trauma that she's suffered ever since. We'd be hearing from Christopher Ray. Interestingly, they were supposed to um, interview former acting Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen next week in one of their public hearings. And that has been pulled, which is strange because he was the man who had all those FBI agents at Quantico the weekend before. So, um, no, I've not seen anything compelling. What has been very interesting, shocking to me, 
is hearing Merrick Garland say that his DOJ is working basically hand in hand with the J6 committee on its criminal investigations. Thank you very much, Julie. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. To keep the programs you like to listen to, please rate this podcast with a fantastic five stars on your Apple podcast app every time you listen and give me a great review. Plus, of course, subscribe to the podcast. It makes a difference with the big tech algorithm and the big tech oligarchs, and it makes us easier to find. Please get in touch with me on all the big tech stuff. Yeah, we're still there. Using the names Victoria Taft or the Adult in the Room podcast on MeWe, Parlor, Minds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to 1A Cast for imaging, editing, and production. The fantastic song is Gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for Antifa versus Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by Raps by RC. The Adult in the Room podcast is also a production of Flamingo Road Studios. Remember, head up, heart out, and strive to be the adult in the room. Till next time, mischief managed.